My name is Tyler. I'm the director of student ministries here. If you are here for the first time, welcome. If you're here back because it's been a while, welcome back. We're so glad that you guys are here with us. And I just want to say just really quickly, uh, I love seeing all the kids in here and, and being a part of this. And so uh, we just want you to not feel any pressure. Uh, we know that without having uh, kids ministry stuff going on right now, it can be maybe like you feel a little awkward. We just don't want you to feel awkward at all. It's totally okay. I'm a father of three. I understand completely uh, how you're like, I have no control over this small, tiny human. So just want to say, don't worry about it. We're so glad that you guys are here with us. Uh, we are in week four of our series called Hashtag Blessed. And we have been talking or we've been working through uh, the Sermon on the Mount from the book of Matthew. Uh, and it's the greatest sermon ever preached. The reason why is because Jesus is the one who preached it. And he was the greatest person to ever live. So therefore, he's the greatest sermon giver ever uh, in the greatest message ever. And so he's teaching to this large crowd, but he's actually zeroing in on his followers. And he's talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and how we can have a blessed life. Not blessed in the terms of how culture defines it, right? Or how the world defines it, defines it but blessed in uh, what it means to have a satisfied life or a spiritually prosperous life. You know, I've been enjoying spending time studying the Beatitudes. There's been a lot of times, even as a pastor, where I've, I've read through the Beatitudes and I've seen the Beatitudes, but I haven't necessarily taken the time to really read through them. And I, and I love uh, having the time now to, to study them and to go through them uh, because what I've found to be really interesting is while you can take each Beatitude individually, you can read them each by like their individual char- characteristic and you can read them through, they actually build on each other. It's like a chain. And each chain that makes it stronger, it gets a little bit stronger, it gets a little bit stronger. In week one, we talked about how blessed are those who are poor in spirit, meaning that they're dependent on God. And so in order to have the prosperous spiritual life that we're looking for, we need to be dependent on God, which is countercultural to our world. And then it's blessed are those who mourn over our sin when we repent. So when we understand we have a dependence on God, it brings us to this place where we mourn over our sin, that we, that we confess, that we repent, and we go to God because we know that we're dependent on him. And then last week, Pastor Josh talked about meekness or gentleness or this idea of humility. When we know that we depend on God, that we mourn and we repent over our sin, it leads us into this different status of our heart, this meekness, this gentleness, this humility that we have. And this morning, I want to talk about what comes from Matthew 6, and it's this idea of righteousness. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you for your righteousness. God, I pray that these words would not be mine, but they would be yours, that we would look at at your scriptures and, and understand what it means to live the life that you've called us to as a follower of you. So God, I pray that people would be blessed by this message, that they would be challenged, they'd be encouraged, that they would be moved into a deeper place of relationship with you. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. So there's a question that often comes up in the Roland household, and that question uh, often comes around the time where uh, we don't really feel like cooking, or we don't, or we're maybe out running errands or things like that, and the question uh, comes up, should we pick up some food? And then the follow-up question to that is always, where should we get the food, right? Now, in the Roland household, this is actually a rhetorical question because there really is only one answer, and it's Chick-fil-A, 
In our house, uh, we, I, if you know me, if you know my family, you know that we love Chick-fil-A. Uh, I love the fact that I don't have to pray over the chicken because it's already been prayed for. It's pre-blessed chicken, right? It's fantastic, right? I eat way too much of it. I love that. I, I actually enter into a time of worship to God when I eat Chick-fil-A. When I have a number one, a sweet tea and a Chick-fil-A sauce, all of a sudden I'm just starting here. How great is our God? And take a bite, right? Like, like I love Chick-fil-A. Some people worship God through, like in nature and some people worship through song, singing. Me, it's Chick-fil-A, okay? Uh, as a matter of fact, there's times in my life where I just want to give out the goodness of God with like some free Chick-fil-A. Oh, watch out. Whoa, right there, right there. Some free Chick-fil-A sandwiches or something like that. Okay, that's a bad joke. Sorry, I'm done. Actually, I told my wife, <laughs> told my wife when the Brooklyn Park one was being built that I was going to become best friends with the owner-operator. Um, I have his cell phone number now, so he was let you know how that's going. But we love Chick-fil-A, okay? And here's the thing about Chick-fil-A, right? Uh, I, I passed actually the love of Chick-fil-A on to my family. Uh, the other day, it was a Sunday, and if you know Chick-fil-A, you know that we can't eat Chick-fil-A on Sunday because they're closed. But uh, we went to Cane's. We settled for Cane's. Uh, and, uh, and we went and we had it. But my son, <laughs> this is a proud dad moment. My son said, Dad, do we have any Chick-fil-A sauce? And I was, I was moved because my son loved Chick-fil-A. Uh, but here's the thing. In the Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, Jesus is using this illustration or this idea of, of hungering and thirsting. Why? Because Jesus understood that we have physical needs, understands that we have needs. We all need to eat. The human body can only go 21 to 40 days without food, okay? Three to seven days without water in ideal situations, and one to three minutes without air, hunger, thirsting, breathing are all essential for our life. And they are essential, there are essentials as well for our spiritual lives. There are essentials for our spiritual lives. I read it just a few minutes ago. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So the big question that I want to ask us here today is this. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? The imagery of hunger is often used in so many circles, right? When you have it with sports teams, uh, they're, they, oftentimes if they're going for the championship, they're chasing after like the goal that they're trying to get to, they use the term like, we're just hungry for it. We're so hungry for it. Or if someone is in the business world and they're young and up and coming and they're trying to like, like figure out how to like, like make it and move their way up the ladder, oftentimes they're described as, as hungry or they're deemed hungry. And the idea of hungering for something is this overwhelming drive or this overwhelming desire to, to seek uh, fulfillment or to seek like achievement, right? And I think that we are all driven to find satisfaction. We as humans, it's innate in us to find satisfaction, to find life, to find purpose. But the problem is because we live in a world filled with sin, we often try to find our satisfaction or our fill, like our fulfilledness. I don't know if that's a word, but we're going to go with it. We have to try to find that in anything and everything except for where we're supposed to find it. We might look for our job to fulfill us. We might look for our relationships with our significant other to fill us. We might look for substances to fill us. We might look for our achievements in our life. Really, as humans, we look for anything and everything to try to find fulfillment because it's written on our hearts. Because at the core of humanity, there is a restlessness. There is a longing inside each and every one of us. In me, in you, in us. St. Augustine wrote this years ago, thou hast madest us 
for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. Jesus is using this imagery of hunger and thirst to paint a dramatic picture of what we as Christ followers are called to be seeking. Remember how I said the Beatitudes, they're like a chain? It starts out, and the first one is we understand we have a dependence on God. And when we understand we have that dependence on God, it leads us into a place of repentance so that we can go towards God. And then it brings us this heart of humility, of meekness, of gentleness. And out of that drives this hunger and this thirst for righteousness. God calls us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, so if we're called to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think it's important that we understand how to define righteousness. Because if we don't define righteousness the way that God defines righteousness, we do it in our own way or how the world defines righteousness. Now, you might be sitting here reading the definition of righteous and it might sound pretty good. So for example, on the screen, you'll see it. It's characterized by uprightness or morality or morally right, or justifiable, or acting in an upright, moral way, or virtuous. Now, we might look at this, and we might go, okay, what's the problem? This sounds pretty good. The answer is not in the acts, but it's in the heart. Let me say that again. The answer is not in the acts, but it's in the heart. What do I mean? I can pursue all of these things. I can pursue uprightness. I can pursue morality. I can pursue morally right and justifiable actions and being upright or virtuous. I can pursue that. However, if my motivation is off, if our motivation is off, it's not righteousness. It's actually self-righteousness. Do you see the subtle difference? If I pursue all of these things in my own strength, if I go after all of these things in my own strength, it is not righteousness, but actually self-righteousness. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking to the people, and he says this about the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the religious elite. They were like the creme de la creme. They were the people that, like, they were morally right. They were righteous. They were virtuous. That When people looked at them, they were like, that is the standard. That's what we're supposed to be like. And this is what Jesus says. In Matthew 5, 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay? So unless our righteousness is that of the best of the best, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Crud. But then he goes on later on in Matthew, Matthew 20, 23. Listen to what he says, okay? This is what he said. He's talking to the Pharisees at this point now. And he says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. What Jesus is trying to say here, what he's trying to get across, is that righteousness is not a checklist. It's a heart posture. It's not a checklist. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. And so if I pursue righteousness... In my best effort that I possibly could try, if I pursue righteousness on my own, it looks vastly different than the righteousness that Jesus is describing here in the Beatitudes. The righteousness that Jesus is talking about is so much more, or so much bigger than just my own self-righteousness. It's so much bigger than just checking off a list of commandments. Why? Hear this. Remember this. Please listen to this. Righteousness 
is given. Righteousness is given. In order to understand the righteousness that Jesus is talking about in here, we have to understand his plan. And the gospel of Jesus has always been his plan. The gospel of Jesus has always been his plan. What is the gospel? I love to use the acronym gospel, uh, of gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. G, God created us to be with him. What does that mean? That means that you are not a mistake, that I am not a mistake, that we were created to be in relationship with the creator. God created you and me and all of us. We're created in the image of God and we're created to be in relationship with him. But here's the problem. Oh, our sins separated us from God. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they took that fruit and they said, we're going to do things our own way. Sound, sound familiar? We're not going to depend on God. We're not going to depend on him. We're going to do things our own way. And that sin, that sin, that idea of we can do it without God, we can do it ourselves, that sin separated us from God. G-O-S, as sins could not be made right by good deeds. Do you hear it? Nothing that we can do, nothing that we can say, nothing that we can give up or anything like that can save us in our own strength. Sins could not be made right by good deeds and P, payment was needed because God is a just God. God is a loving God, absolutely, but God is also a just God and payment needed to be paid, but we could not pay that payment because that payment was perfection. That payment was, was life, and so God sent Jesus to this earth to come and to live a perfect, righteous life, the only righteous life to ever truly live. God sent Jesus, Jesus came down to this earth and he died on the cross in our place where we deserve to be. And then E, everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And L is that life everlasting starts now. It starts now. When we put our faith in Jesus, that life starts now. Not only were we saved for, from our sins, but we were given the righteousness of God. Righteousness is given. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. He was our payment. He took our place. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. It's the great exchange. Our broken, sinful life for his righteousness. It's not fair. It's not equal. But it's because God is good. Because God is loving. Because God, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The great exchange. When we put our faith in Jesus alone, not in our good deeds, not in our righteousness, not in our self-righteousness, we find God. Because my own righteousness, my self-righteousness, falls short of God's standard. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we need his righteousness. Righteousness is given. It's not something we earn. It's not something we do. It is given. Okay. But wait. The Beatitudes are about pursuing 
If the Beatitudes are about pursuing, why, why should I have to pursue something that has been given to me? Why do I have to pursue? Why do I need to hunger and thirst for something that's already been given? Here's why. Because my soul needs Jesus in the same way that my body needs food. My soul, if I want to live a spiritually prosperous life, if I want to live a hashtag blessed life, my soul needs Jesus in the same way that our bodies need food. We don't eat once a week and call it good. We need Jesus every single day, three times. If you're a hobbit, six times a day. That's a nerd joke, sorry. Okay. We need Jesus our soul cries out for it in the way that our stomach gurgles when we're hungry. Our soul is gurgling after Jesus. That's a weird statement. That wasn't in my notes. I don't just want him. I hunger and thirst for his righteousness because without him, my soul starves. Starves. I wonder how many of us are starving because maybe we're not hungering and thirsting for his Righteousness. It's only in Jesus' righteousness that I am filled. So how do we hunger? How do we thirst for this righteousness that Jesus is calling us to in the Beatitude? Matthew 6, says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's talking about want. It's talking about need. The things, the things in our life when, we, when we're worried about what if we're going to get the things that we need. Jesus is saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and we will be filled. We'll be given all that we need, not always want, but everything that we need. If we are truly hungering and thirsting for his righteousness, it means that we're no longer living for our kingdom, but we're living for his. I, say, I think I say it every time I preach, but my life verse is Galatians 2.20. And it says this, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Now I live by faith in the, for the one who gave himself for me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's his righteousness who lives in me. But here's the good news, Okay? Here's the good news. We don't do this in our own power. You cannot do it in your own power because that leads us back to self-righteousness. Okay? We pursue his righteousness. We pursue him by the Holy Spirit. When we become Christians, God places his Holy Spirit inside of us. It is God's spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us as followers of Jesus Christ, and it gives us the ability and the power to seek his kingdom. And as we look at the scriptures, and it calls us to righteousness, the Holy Spirit prompts us with, with, to walk in step with the Spirit. I've been meditating all week this week on this idea of walking in the Spirit. Because walking is this intimate act. Oftentimes when we think of hungering and thirsting, it's this grind, it's this, it's this press, it's, it's we gotta go, we gotta do more, we gotta, we gotta bear down, we gotta go after it, which is absolutely like, like how we, it's defined. But then, like in Galatians, Paul, he says, walk in step with the Spirit. There's this intimacy. There's this relationship. Thinking about going on walks with your significant other and how it's just this moment of, of, of closeness as you're walking with that. That's what we're called to do with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do in our relationship with Jesus is to walk in step with the Spirit. It's not a burden. It's not saying go out on a marathon run. No, it's saying walk in step with the Spirit. 
as we seek after him, as we're led by the Holy Spirit. And Paul paints this picture. Listen to this from Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You see it? Free. We're being given his righteousness. We've been set free by the power of Jesus, what he did on the cross. We've been given freedom to walk in his righteousness. We've been given his righteousness. You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, here it is, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, will not experience the blessed life. Not blessed in terms how the world defines it, but how Jesus defines it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. We walk in step with the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because of what Jesus has given us, we seek first the kingdom of God. We hunger and we thirst for his righteousness. We seek out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We seek it out, not that we need to find it. It's already been given to us. We just go to the refrigerator, take it, and consume it. And then we live it out because it's already been given to us. It's been given to us by Jesus. Church, whether you're in the building, you're online, you're watching six months from now, I don't know. What would it look like if we hunger and thirsted for righteousness? Not our own righteousness, but that which is given to us by Jesus when we put our faith and our trust in him. What kind of blessings might we experience or those around us, what might they experience if we hunger and thirsted for righteousness, his righteousness, church, what are you hungry for? Are we running after things that will never satisfy? Maybe if we think we, think we just get a little bit more money, then we'll be filled, then we'll be satisfied. Maybe if we just get a little bit more pleasure in our life, we'll be filled or we'll be satisfied. Maybe if just a few more people think more highly of us, then we'll be satisfied. But the only way that we'll experience the righteousness of Christ but the only, way that we, the only way we'll be satisfied is if we experience the righteousness of Christ. It's so backwards. 
especially in America. Go do, grind, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. Just go do. And I'm not saying we're not called to go out and do. We need to live out our faith, everything like that. But if we're living out our faith, we're trying to do all these things for the wrong motivation without the righteousness of Christ, then it's just self-righteousness. That's not what we're called to. That's not what I want to live out in my life. I want to be filled. I want to be filled with his righteousness. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, who have this drive, have this desire for his righteousness. For they will be filled. We can go back to him constantly. Be filled by him. Why is this important? Why do we need to be filled? Because Satan wants nothing more than you and me to not be filled. There is nothing more that Satan wants than for the church to not be satisfied in Christ. Because when we, the church, are satisfied in Christ, we are most dangerous for Satan. He wants us complacent. He wants us comfortable. He wants us outside of what we're supposed to be doing because then we're not dangerous. That's where he wants us. He wants us in this place where we, we, we're dependent on ourselves. When we're satisfied in Christ's righteousness, then Satan, he cannot distract us. We live in a world that has so much distraction. We live in a world where we're constantly pulled away and our eyes and our gaze is taken off what we're really called to. When we're satisfied in Christ, we live on mission of pursuing Jesus and making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. When we are satisfied in Christ, we storm the gates of hell and we depopulate it. That's what we're called to. To hunger and to thirst for his righteousness so that we can live the blessed life and everyone around us can experience the blessed life because it is flowing out of you and me you want to live a filled, satisfied life? Pursue Jesus' righteousness because it's given to you. It's there. He's saying, take it. Believe in me. Trust in me. Seek first my kingdom. For some of you, whether you're here in the building or you're watching online, some of us have never put our faith in Jesus Christ, have made him the Lord of our life, or have received his righteousness. And the Bible says this in Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a, what a, is it that simple? Because it's not dependent on us. Our actions, our living out righteousness comes after we've been given the righteousness of God. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never made a decision to make Jesus the leader of your life, the Lord of your life, it's simply saying, Jesus, I want you to be the leader of my life. I believe you are who you said you were and you did what you said you did. Without Jesus, we will never be filled. There's moments of momentary filling, but it'll never be true satisfaction. That quote I read earlier, St. Augustine, Thou hast madest us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. Do you want rest? 
Come on, rest. Not comfortability, but true rest. It's found in Jesus. If you truly want to live that blessed life, it can only be found in Jesus. If you've made that decision, maybe for the first time now, I'm just going to pray a little prayer you can pray. It's not the prayer that makes, like, it's like this magic prayer. No, that's just the expression of the heart. But if you've made this decision, if you're living, if you've been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ, but you've maybe gone into this place of grinding, of trying to do it in your own strength, and you've you've crossed back over into self-righteousness, I would call you out of that and say, no, 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 let's walk in righteousness. Let's walk in His righteousness. Let's walk in step with the Spirit so that we can be satisfied in Christ, so that we can be effective in our ministry that God has called us to, and that Satan will shudder in his trident, I don't know. I mean, there'd be fear. He will fear us, not because it's us, but because it's Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray for those that right now are making the decision to make you the leader of their life. God, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit so that they could walk in step with you. God, may you be glorified. May you be lifted high as the one the only one where we can find true life, the only one where we can find satisfaction, God, because it's in you that we find the blessed life and only in you. God, I pray for anybody that made that decision, that they would seek out someone to pour into their life, a mentor, a a person to disciple them. Pray that they would get connected at church here or the church wherever they are. So God, that we can rise up a generation, we can rise up a church that is on mission for you. God, I thank you for lives that are changed right now in this moment from death to life for eternity. God, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory because it's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just really quick, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, whether online or in the building, just ask that you would text the word yes Jesus to 555-888 because we want to get you some resources get you connected in some Bible reading and things like that to be able to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus we just want to say we're so proud of you so glad to welcome you to the family of God you've been entered into his righteousness the great exchange has happened And so we're going to celebrate now through worship. So I invite you guys to go ahead and stand up and join us as we give worship to God. We give praise to God for all he's done. Let's do it.